Welcome to Don't Involve Me. This is your host, Jake Sherbing, and if this is your first time listening to this podcast, I just want to say thank you for giving this channel a shot. Uh, in this episode, we're interviewing Brandon John. He's a local artist in the Minnesota area. He is going to be talking about his new comic coming out called Nut Number 2. That comes out April 5th. Alright, just a fair warning for this podcast, or for this episode specifically. The audio is a little rough around the edges. Uh, we're still trying to figure out what's the best way to do this remotely, what our guests need to have solid audio. So in this one, uh, you'll be he hearing a little bit of radio background noise. If you guys are okay with it, please check out the episode. Brandon John is a great interview. He has some great insights when it comes to comic books, uh, when it comes to artists, and he talks in great detail about nut number two in his journey of being an artist so please check it out and yeah let's cue the music hey yo welcome to don't evolve me the place like ash catch and pikachu we don't evolve we just level up and here i have a special guest Brandon, how are you, sir? I'm great. I've never been on a podcast, so I'm very first, excited. First time? <laughs> yes, sir. I'm your first sweet taking that podcast virginity <laughs> one by one. Oh, boy. I'm glad it's you, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm glad. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Uh, I just um, moved to a new city. I live in St. Paul now, and I've been here for about a month, and I'm um, just getting used to the area, getting used to my new job, and things are going great. Nice. What do you do now, yeah. if you don't mind me asking um, on the pod? Oh, yeah, n not, a, not a problem. I'm a, I'm a substitute for, um, it's called SCPCA. It's a, it's a St. Paul like public art school, so all oh, the students cool. there, grades 9 through 12, are um, artists in one way or another. So I'll sub for art classes or academic classes, and uh, it's a really flexible schedule, and I just talk to students and draw all day, really. It's ideal. That, that sounds awesome. That's that's cool. I didn't know that you were in the teaching. I, me neither. It just kind of happened. I, I feel like I skipped a couple steps, <laughs> honestly, because <laughs> I'm like, what what am I doing here? But it's it's really it's really fun. It's fun to talk to them, and you know, yeah. I just get to work on my comics all day, and they, they, they love it because they're working on their own comics, too. Nice. Do you do the substitute teacher name thing where you just mess up their names on purpose? Oh, least man, I, at least I, once. I don't know anybody's name, man. Like, it's <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, at the comic book store, I was horrible with names, but this is yeah. like, become inflamed because there's so many people. I feel I'm like just it's like, even, hey, you, nice to see you again. <laughs> I feel like it's even worse. I've seen, so I worked with uh, kids, and I sometimes, uh, I remember Valentine's Day, I was helping with um, the, this kid, I was helping them put names on the Valentine's Day's card. And just help them with sure. that process the day before Valentine's Day. And I saw like the class list, and like the names are very um, not like the typical white old names that you're used to. Sure. And so no Bob's have, like, or Jim's. <laughs> no, no Bob's or Jim's. There's like maybe out of like the 20 kids in the class, there's like maybe five like I would say normalish names, and there's like names like I have no idea how to pronounce this. Yeah, well, and at the at the school where I'm subbing, there's such um such a high trans population that a lot of the people whose names that are listed on the roster are their dead names. So you're supposed to go by last name, um, which I usually forget anyway. But you know, even if you do remember the first name you see on the roster, you don't necessarily want to use it to respect that student. 
Um, so usually I just end up using things like y'all or captain or boss <laughs> get away with it. <laughs> nice. Hey, you person, <laughs> captain, boss. I like it. It's smart. All right. Well, uh, tell, tell my audience a little bit about you. I said you're a substitute teacher. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a cartoonist and painter um, and a co-owner of Row 7 Publishing. My um, girlfriend and I own the publishing company together, so I'll uh, self-publish my own comics through it, and then she'll self-publish her poetry books through it. And, um, you know, I I paint the covers, and, uh, you know, just the interiors are traditional black and white Mm -hmm. comic. I don't typically work digitally. Nice. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I actually um, just graduated from St. Cloud State, where they were very supportive and helped me out with the with the comics and the painting and the things. And I'm, I'm eager and sad to be out of it at the same time because it's like I have way more time now, but it's kind of like working in a vacuum a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. After having all that support, now you're uh, you're kind of like a little bird on your own, flying away Basically. from the nest. Yeah, I'm like, you know, I was finishing up Nut 2, and I'm like, man, is anybody even, like, seeing this? Like, what, what am I doing? <laughs> Welcome to the adult world, where you do things on your own. I don't like it, it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Alright, before yeah. we get into Nut 2, which I'm really excited to talk about, I did yeah. just I did just uh, open up Nut 1 to refresh oh, my boy. memory a little bit. It's that the, one is I, in- interesting. <laughs> it is very interesting. I want to have you talk about it. So, before we get into it, I like to do this thing called Show Me Your Socks. Do you have any nerdy yes. socks on you? Oh, man. I My wardrobe is pretty depressing. Like, is I, it, are you just I, simply I, black I, right now? Black uh, oh, or white sort socks? Sort of. I'm wearing um, just white socks. Um, oh. But I kind of I redid my wardrobe recently because I used to wear a lot of like graphic tees, superhero shirts in particular, yes. but I got kind of sick of like advertising for things, so I just mm. bought a lot of blank clothes. So now I'm like, I'll wear blue today, <laughs> which it, it makes my life simpler, but is really boring on the outside. I feel like that's uh, how getting older works. You kind of start off with like all these like the interests, everything you like, and then you slowly just get more boring and more minimalist as you get, sure. get older. Well, and maybe it's something too with like, you know, as you get older, you just have to make more and more decisions. And yeah. maybe I've reached a decision fatigue where I don't want to like, figure out what i'm wearing the next day i just want to like have it over and done do i want superman batman do i want this uh shirt company you know what f it i'm just going to do colors i'm feeling a little blue i'm feeling a little red actually i'm just feeling brown tan yeah see it makes sense i knew um i knew a girl from school um when i was going to college she would she bought like five of the exact same outfit and would wear that I, for years I never huh. saw her wear anything different I thought it was genius <laughs> maybe she's just part of a t- cartoon show and we're just it was like I, I swear it was like a Timmy Turner thing <laughs> <laughs> or like a recess they all just wear the same clothes and they just don't want to animate anything else oh man it, you know it worked it, it was a great outfit and I never got sick of it I'm like wow she's got it figured out <laughs> do you do that with your characters do you have them just wear the same thing or do you just have them switch clothes um yes and no like I think with comics particularly in like the the confines of a single issue it's not always the smartest idea to have them change outfit because yeah. it can make the reader a little bit confused but with Nut 2 I actually do have them change outfit for a little bit oh, and it's such okay. a change that I think 
I, I feel like it's not as much of a disconnect there. Yeah. That makes sense. Alright, I yeah. gotta talk about my wares. I'm wearing, you can see it, audience can't, I'm wearing a Captain America sweatshirt. Yep. It's I literally the only, it's cool. it's the only sweatshirt that I had that wasn't dirty. So I didn't pay for It's the adamantium, wear. doesn't rust. Show me your wares. I just did a Shazam Demi this morning. I, I've been busy this morning, Brandon. I've been up since four. <laughs> Damn. Not because I wanted to, it's just how my body works. I got uh, oh, some DC Pops, so I got Green Arrow. Arrow Ooh. version of Green Arrow. Got this weird version of Jon Stewart. And then Kid Flash. Ooh, I like the Kid Flash one a lot. Yeah, that's I've always thought ones. his outfit's super cool. It is pretty cool. Alright. Yeah, they, they did something genius with that design where they, they left his, like hair unexposed so yeah. you could like see the speed in, in the panels a lot easier than you could with like flash who's like completely covered up yeah where flash kind of looks like a swimmer in a way where exactly only less is like oh he is going fast look at his hair yeah i mean it makes more sense like you wouldn't want your hair whipping around your face if you were running but like i don't know it looks cooler yeah wally west it makes wait so wally west let me get this straight is the fastest flash but he doesn't have like that. Um, oh, what's it called? Like the speed velocity. Like he doesn't have the windbreaker. So he's the fastest yeah. Flash without the windbreaker. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm not like the Flash expert, but I've always understood it as he's the fastest Flash, and I I thought it worked with both of them, where it was like as they ran, there was like this field that was created around them, where like the friction wouldn't like destroy them because like they run carrying people and logically yeah. those people would like be torn apart based yeah. on the speed but I, I don't know you gotta yeah. suspend your disbelief with this stuff sometimes <laughs> you yeah you can't think too heavily about it no. that's uh then you was, can pick anything apart i was doing my shazam review and i'm like just don't think about this movie and you'll enjoy it if you don't think <laughs> about it you will enjoy it if you think about it it's gonna destroy it's it's horrible yep. nothing makes exactly sense. just appreciate the flashing colors have a better time. <laughs> Pretty lights. It is a very gorgeous movie. I will say this. There's a lot is of it? like, yeah, because they do a lot of the scenes at, at, during the day where, you know, most superheroes it seems like they're doing this dark in the background. So it's just yeah. nice to see Shazam in a really bright outfit outside and like, oh, it looks cool. Yeah. Well, there's this fad, and I and I hope it's going away because there's been complaints about it, but like particularly with streaming tv shows there's just like entire episodes where it's almost pitch black and yeah. i'm like you know like with last of us i'm like i guarantee that in your movie theater that you rented out to like screen test this you could see mm -hmm. that but me as an average person with an average tv i have no idea what's happening you oh you have complaints about the last of us the, <laughs> i love the, the show um uh it, it's the lighting is better than obi-wan there were episodes in obi-wan where i was like yeah. i literally have no idea what's happening Oh, so I've been reviewing Last of Us. I don't know if you've been uh, oh, listening cool. or not. Um, what are your thoughts on Last of Us? Um, I like it. I, you know, I never played the game, but I watched my dad play the game. Okay. And it's, it seems to be following it very closely, but, I mean, the game was so beautifully written. I, I'm not disappointed with that at all. I mean, it's, it's just a good story. And I think I don't particularly enjoy zombie stuff a lot of the time, but this yeah. is very different. And it seems to be more about the people than it does, yep. like, the actual, like, infected people. Kind of like Night of the Living Dead. I recently saw that movie, and that was a similar thing, where it was, like, you, the zombies weren't 
hardly part of it most of the time. Yeah. You know, it was about the people they were stuck with. The, zo- the zombies kind of just um, put people in position to essentially explore the... Re- it puts them in a position where it, ex- it explores relationships in a different light. That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. It puts and them like, in traumatic, you know, uh, traumatic experiences that like push people into more darker areas than normal life. Yeah, exactly. And, like, you know, I, zombies are, like, animalistic and scary in that way, but you always know what to expect from them, whereas I think the people are a lot scarier because you don't quite know. Like, they have motivations, and you don't know what those are all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. Uh, what would you... Okay, so I have a rating scale for my show, and I'll just briefly explain it to you because I want to know what you, how you would rate this show. I'm, I'm really into this show, so I'm curious. Okay. Since you never played the game, I'm curious what you would give it as a rating. So one, I have like a rating system one out of five, which is one is trash, two is meh, three is good, four is great, and five is like the best of its genre. It's like top level. And then I do plus okay. and minus where if you're on the fence, let's say if like you thought it was like a good TV show, but you're like, it might be great, you give it like a three plus. Sure. Hmm. That's hard. I mean, I love... I love the director a lot. Like, I don't know if you ever saw Chernobyl, but yeah, I think this I, guy is, he's Chernobyl's like a great. master. Yeah. I, I, I think this guy's like a master at anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like with the show, it kind of loses it sometimes. Like when it loses it, it's always important. Like I'm not, I have two episodes left still, but I just finished. Oh, you haven't finished it? No, I just oh, finished okay. the one where Ellie was, um, sort of like hanging out with her girlfriend and it was a flashback um and you know i felt that that was really important but it sort of lost the momentum of what was happening with joel in my mind so i i think that that's sort of my main issue with the show and i i would say i'd give it a four like a three plus or a four because just and it's hard not to compare it to chernobyl but comparing it to chernobyl if that's a five then i would say that this is a three plus or a four in my mind we still got two episodes left, which is arguably the most important episodes. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. It seems like there's a little bit of a lull in the story where I am right now. If if you had asked me after episode one or two, I would probably say that this was a four plus at least. Okay. Um, I gave it, it a four you know, plus. Might change. In general. Okay. Uh, I, would, I would say the last two episodes definitely are important before rating it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to let you know after. I think... Uh, I think I know what happens just based on knowing the game, but we'll see if it if it changes. It's pretty. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything. I'll just leave it. All right. So, what are you? All right. Moving on. What are you nerding out to now? What have you been um, nerding out to lately? Nerd. You know, it's weird. I I'm getting really into like. I'm trying to find a better way to describe it, but it's sort of like. Nineteen like early 1900s to 1950s like ephemera if that makes sense so like pulp cover illustrations ads things like that because you know there was like series of like pulp magazines that they would do or like pulp books that they would do that would have these beautifully painted covers Mm -hmm. of like like characters that don't even make any sense which i think is really interesting like for example, there'll be, like, a floating guy with a suit that's being, like, overtaken by this enormous green hand, and it'll, like, have this caption that says, like, Dr. Psycho against the nightmare hand, and it's, like, 
I, like what does that even mean and it's less about the story inside and more about like seeing that image in the caption and how the viewer can extrapolate their own conclusions if that makes sense and i'm really into yeah. that relationship i'm uh, looking it up now because i want to see it oh okay i'm trying to you know i probably not specifically that, that one just in general oh, okay i uh i i where i live now is a little bit dangerous in that i live right across from half price books which is one of the coolest bookstores ever. Okay. And it is very hard not to go in there on, like, a somewhat daily basis. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I have to you, leave my wallet at home. <laughs> are you, uh, so are you drawing these, or are you uh, just looking at them? Like, what Both. are you doing with these um, I have, uh, I have, like, art book collections of these covers, yeah. or I have the physical covers, and sort of before I start working or warming up, I'll start flipping through these things and just... Like, because, you know, I think that art is a little bit of a feedback loop. It's like the things that you're absorbing and then creating that becomes absorbed by other people. So I'm just trying to sort of like stimulate that feedback loop and and see these things to come up with my own characters. So like if you saw on Instagram, I did that story, the two page story with the Doomlings and the TV guy that had the TV head. Like he was a character that was based on like a pulp cover that I had seen that I made up my own story for. I don't think I came across it. I am looking it up now. I should have just followed, looked up all of your whole page before you even have anyone. <laughs> That's on me. No worries. I can probably find it someplace, too. I have stacks of stuff. I well, think... Nut 2, which is awesome. Wait, yes. so... Oh, I just look at your cover. The Are you listening? I said no pickles. I like that. Oh, yeah. That's, a, that's actually... Um... That was a promotional, or not promotional poster, that's a special um, poster that you get from Kickstarter. It's like a certain level that you can buy into. The uh, the Doomling thing is like right next to that picture of me holding that one at a, at a library. And it's not too far down. Like you really only have to swipe once or twice. Right next to it, the Doomling? Yeah, so like, there's the picture of me holding the book, and then there's the picture of me with all the pages spread out, and then right next to that, with the two pages, like between that oh, and the guy. Oh, I see it. Okay. Yeah, and then no, page did, one is before page two. Yep. Nice. That was good. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the audience can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> they're here. They're here in spirit. They can imagine. <laughs> Nice. Well, that's really cool. That's that's a really cool thing to nerd out on. I uh, I have nothing like that. I've just been playing Last of Us Part Two. That's all I got. Well, that's a that's a cool thing. You know, like how, like you know, there's the early 1900s ephemera, but you know that at that time, that's like how video games and pop culture is now. It's like the same thing. It's just yeah. different points in time. So you're more in touch with humanity than I am. <laughs> You're actually, that, like, <laughs> participating. <laughs> I'm participating in the culture. Well, hey, it's my job now to participate in the culture. I need to That's try up with these things. But you're going yeah. back in time uh, exploring these cool covers. I, oh, boy. I'm excited <laughs> to see more. Uh, are you planning yeah, on doing, you. like, your own cover to kind of shoot um, you? Yeah, well, what I'm trying to do with the nut covers is I'm trying to make them so that they could look like they come from that time, but yeah. are still a little bit modern in the same sense i haven't quite mastered it 
because it there's like this grainy quality that they get because they were produced so cheaply and it's like you can't really print comics on newsprint anymore because it's actually more expensive funny enough oh really um yeah because it's like they're just not set up for it anymore so they have to do special printing um for that particular paper so now what i'm doing with the nut three cover is i i bought from half price books a uh, saint Catharines university 1961 yearbook that i ripped Mm -hmm. the cover off of and i'll use the portraits inside to draw from like just as practice but i'm gonna paint on the cover because it has that sort of grainy quality to try and capture some of that when i scan it if that makes sense yeah that makes sense that's cool yeah it's reached an obsessive level (laughs) of thought (laughs) i I get that i've been there (laughs) all right let's move on we're gonna do a news quickie so yes all right for the first news are you in the magic brandon have you ever played magic Uh, at all oh yeah i used to be way more into it but then i got sick of um trying to find friends to play it with and buying cards (laughs) uh mine was ladder my deck got cycled out for standard and i was like i'm Uh done i just spent 200 dollars on this deck it's no longer usable f that i'm not doing it anymore so, you just got to do like casual games with friends where the you can use the legal cards. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I just use my old deck. I'm like, I don't care. It's not standard. Yeah. I'm just going to use the That's deck the that I paid $200 I for. All right. So Magic News. Have you ever heard of the Black Lotus card? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. The first edition sold for $540,000. The most, I believe <laughs> it's the most that has ever Damn. been sold. That's crazy. Man, well, and I don't know if you heard either, but they're doing like a Lord of the Rings set, yep. and they're the one they're ring doing, to rule them all. Yeah, they're doing the one ring, but there's like I don't know if it's that there's just one of them or if it's such a low print run, but that's kind of crazy. They're saying that that might be worth a ton of money too. Yeah, I can imagine it. I feel like these yeah. companies really could just make a bunch of money by just go running like pop, you know, famous pop culture cards. Yeah, I, I think that's a really fun idea. I'm kind of, I'm rubbed the wrong way about making things that are falsely collectible, like yeah. variant covers, which is ironic for me to say because I do the same thing, but like, it just clearly seems like they're trying to rip people off with this thing because like uh, Black Lotus is old and it had a low print run because the company was old, yeah. but this is like, only the rich will be able to get this thing. It's like the, when Eminem did a cover with Spider-Man. I, yeah, it's the same And there's like, 5,000 copies and it sold out immediately and they immediately was like hey it's I forget how much it cost it was like $500 or something like that so I, I think, tried getting one yeah when I saw it and then I don't know if you remember the price on it I think uh, I talked to you I or do. Jay about it I think on his website they were charging something I think it was at least 50 which doesn't sound like a ton but maybe it was that once when they ran out people were reselling it for a lot more which would make yeah. sense um, but no, I, I was working at the store when that was happening, and I remember that. I don't know if anybody ever told you, but the thing that happened with my coworker was hilarious. Because we were telling him, it's like Eminem Spider Man cover. And he yeah. kept looking up Eminem's. Oh, I heard like, this, yeah. the, the candy, <laughs> and it's like. <laughs> he doesn't admit that that ever happened, but it's like, no, dude, we were there. I know, I know. He, he told me about it. He did tell me. I think he, I did might he? have been there for the conversation. 
<laughs> He's like, oh, I know who Eminem is. I was just confused. <laughs> it's like, all right, whatever. Well, it makes more sure. sense that Eminem's The Company would be sponsoring a Spider-Man cover than Eminem the Rapper. Yeah, I know, I know. It seems like kind of an afterthought. Like, I always knew he was into Spider-Man, but it seems really random. He just, loves to do com- that. he just loves comics in general. But yeah, it's like an old yeah. issue, too. So, like, hey, we're going to resell this old issue with my being i'm gonna be drawn on it which i mean yeah hey if i was famous too i would want like i in general just would like yeah. you know cover of spider-man why not that'd be cool you could you could always have somebody do a sketch cover draw yeah. you a spider-man maybe i'll uh who's it patrick gleason i met him because mm-hmm. he did spider-man cover for a while i should have convinced him to just like hey can i just like be in the background i have great yeah. ear just really cool looking <laughs> yeah he'd be a good person to do that with and if you ever like you said you got a sketch cover from him before no i uh, uh i i don't know if he's still doing spider-man covers but this was like two years ago for the audience who doesn't know patrick leeson is a minnesota-based artist who does uh the last time i checked he does a lot of spider-man work for uh marvel i don't i think he's moved on because i think there's another artist who does spider-man now yeah that's it they, uh Ramita Jr., I think, is doing it now. Yeah. So, at the time, he, uh, I actually have it on the wall. Where is it? Yep, you can see it. Right where my head is. That little Spider-Man cover on top. Uh, that was Patrick Gleason. He was drawing that at the comic book convention when I saw it, and I asked him what, uh, issue it was, and I made sure I got that specific comic. That's cool. That's a good story. Alright, so moving on, because this news quickie is becoming a little more intimate and longer, um, that's what the segment is called, a news quickie. It wouldn't that's be losing my podcast virginity without intimacy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to look at it. All right, news number, t- news number two. Tom Cruise loves the Flash movie. He saw he saw it ahead of time, and he absolutely loves it. So there's hope yet for Flash. Heck yeah! You know, it's funny. I I actually. It's a weird coincidence, but like a week ago, I had a nightmare about, um, oh, what's his face from Ezra Miller, about Ezra Miller and that he, like I was at his house and then he freaked me out and I tried escaping and he was mad that I left so that like, as I was on my way home, he was like, and in this universe I could drive, but in real life I don't drive, but I was driving home and I could see him like running like the flash next to me and he like flicked me off. And then I get home, and he's already there, and he, like, framed me for car theft. So I, 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 for that reason, I don't know how I feel about this movie. <laughs> you had Ezra Miller chasing you. That is a nightmare. That is... I don't know why. Like, I, he's not a person I think about, like, ever. I, I, I knew he was heard of, kind of a freak, but, like... <laughs> you probably heard of one of his stories. I don't know how he's in this movie. I don't know how he's not canceled. This movie's just not canceled. But Tom Seems Cruise wrong. loves it. Apparently he saw he saw the movie ahead of time, an advanced screening, and then reportedly went after the director because he loved it so much. He wants to work with I don't know if he wants to work with the director, but he like went out of his way to give the director props. So Weird. maybe there's hope yet. I don't know if Tom Cruise knows what a good movie is. I mean, he's in a lot of good movies. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know, my my running theory is is that Ezra Miller in his weirdness attracted the attention of the Scientology people, I love and they're it. like trying to yes. recruit him <laughs> and this is tom cruise's like attempt at recruiting oh god ezra miller's been going <laughs> the closet isn't he it, you know i wouldn't doubt it like it, it all makes more sense when you think of it that way 
Ezra Miller does seem like somebody who would be in Scientology. I will say yeah, that. He does seem it. like he was. Alright, last little bit of news. I want to do some comic book news. Apparently a Teen Titan will die in June. Mm. One of the core five or Donna Troy. Yeah, I mean, you know, comic I mean, characters die. That never happens. And then, they'll come, then they'll come back. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm just assuming Donna Troy is going to die because it's the only one I can see them just like, eh, no one cares about Donna Troy, but it makes for a great yeah, story. I mean, most people don't even know who Donna Troy is anymore. Like, I, I, I mean, I barely know who she is. I think she, she kind of lived and died in the 80s. Yeah, she died in Titans. Oh, did Have you she? watch that show at all? Uh, I saw the first season. I wasn't super into it. It's trash. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's a one. I, that's kind of what I got. <laughs> I watched the first two. Donna Troy's dies in the second one because she catches an electric pole and electrocutes herself to death. <laughs> yeah. And it was literally like yeah. the last scene of the season. I'm just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what a way to go as a Teen Titan. Kind of anticlimactic. <laughs> And apparently, I think there's three or four seasons now. I didn't watch. I was done. I'm like, I can't do Weird. it. Dick I mean, if you want to watch a good uh, HBO DC show, you watch Doom Patrol. Because that's amazing. I watched the first two seasons. It's great. I need to watch the last two. I think there's four seasons right now. Uh, yep. They, they're three and a half. Like, half of the fourth one yeah. has come out. And then the other half will come out, I think, after summer. Yeah, and that's, that's sure. going to be it for Doom Patrol because James Gunn cutting everything i will say that show i want i have plans to continue watching that show because that show is great it where, is really where teen titans failed doom patrol is excelling oh yeah definitely uh, all right teen, the titans is just like kind of a cringy show in general you want to watch like good teen titans like con- content you watch the young justice animated the first two seasons nothing else yep but three and four is pretty good really uh i don't know i mean I it's bad it. it's it's bad animation but like story-wise it's still it's serviceable. It's alright. I think maybe it was just that, like, I was nostalgic about the way it was and frustrated that it was different. <laughs> that's fair. I will say the original Teen Titans is also a show that's worth watching. Like the animated 2005 show. Oh, of course, yeah. I, before, that was sort of, like, before my time. I never had Cartoon Network. Oh. So I just didn't end up seeing it. It's pretty good. It's better than Teen Titans Go. It's actually serious. There's... It's not completely into DC like it's its own thing Batman never shows up or anything like that but it plays around with his characters I like it it's not as good as Young Justice but it's it's up there it's memorable yeah well I don't think there would have been a Young Justice without that show so I think exactly. it owes it a lot probably and as well as Teen Titans Go which is a huge money maker with little kids <laughs> yeah uh, well you know it's not for good. me no well I think there should be more content for for younger kids i mean working at the comic book store it was actually really hard to sell to that age group just because it was like here's a spider-man comic but i don't know if like somebody's head gets ripped off or not (laughs) uh yeah that's definitely for more uh our age all right sure let's talk not (laughs) i like the way you said that (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about not all right so you made a comic you're in the process of releasing two comics. Tell us about yes, it. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, so Nut is an old man with no agency in his life who is uh, mute and destitute and just trying to sort of scrape by with his cat until he sort of 
rediscovers his past and learns about his future and also learns that he is a god that can do anything. So the first three issues sort of act as a prequel for the rest of the entire series um, in which it will be like a completely different universe, if that makes sense. Oh, and I'm intrigued. So the first three issues, I only read the first one. Uh, the first three issues are kind of like mini stories, and then the issue four will get into more of a main series. Or how do you plan? Yeah, um, so it's a little weird because, like, the way in which it was made was really janky. In that, like, when I was like a couple of years ago, when I was um, in school, it was like I I had wanted to make a comic. I had never made one before, so yeah. I was like, okay, I'll make like a ten-page zine. But then I liked that so much, I was like, okay, well, I found this printer. I want to do, like, an actual comic. So the first mm-hmm. issue ended up being, like, two mini-stories put together in one issue. And, you know, I think it was successful. It did way better than I thought it would. But in terms of, like, people understanding what I was trying to say, I I both was trying to be too experimental and lacked the experience and skill to try and, like, convey my message to people. So... Mm-hmm. And, like, last summer I was sort of stuck with that, and I spent that summer reworking Nut and trying to come up with, like, how do I recontextualize the first issue to make, like, not only make the set make sense, but also make something where I can go forward with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it, in terms of sort of, like, the overall continuity, it's kind of messy, but... Once when the first three are done, it will all make sense, and then it will go forward. It's a, it's interesting enough where uh, I'm definitely like, what's what does he have coming up next? <laughs> it, it is it is a very interesting idea. I know you explained to me the comic, so like when I read it, I very much understood what was happening. But I know my girlfriend when she she read it, she's like, what what's happening? I'm like, oh, yeah, he's, I mean, he's out of panels. Yeah. He's meta. He's meta now. Yeah, I mean, that was the general consensus. Like, it was something where um, I feel like overall people got the general emotion, but they didn't understand the character as much, and they didn't, like, they didn't know what to do with it. And it was really kind of embarrassing, too. Like, I sold a lot at the comic book store, but everybody knew I worked there, so these hordes of people would come up to me and be like, what are you, what is this? why why did you what does this mean why did you do this and i think with the second one i'm trying to make it like i'm trying to make it more of sort of a traditional narrative like i definitely think experimental stuff like has a place and i'm not ashamed that i made it but it's not like if people don't know how to get away from it or they don't end up thinking about it then that kind of defeats the purpose right i think so how does it make you feel as an artist because i you know me, and the audience doesn't know this a whole lot. I've written a bunch of stories, but I've never had anything like published to the public. So mm-hmm. how does that make you feel when you get that type of feedback where people don't quite understand the story the, the way you intended? Yeah, well, um, you know, I love the feedback. I think I was used to sort of the critique relationship at school where it was like you would show this thing and then we would talk about it for a half hour yeah um but like when when you're distributing it to a lot of different people and that's not the preset sort of rules of engagement then that that's not really how that works anymore and i think Mm -hmm. like i'm really interested in the relationship in which i'm inspired by things and then create things and then like 
the viewer sees what I've created and then it's not translated one to one but like based on their world experience they see it and draw their own conclusions and end up with something new and then we both kind of end up different because of it like I'm really interested in that relationship but I think there's an in-between in which I can give enough information where they know more about where I'm coming from rather Mm -hmm. than just being lost to the point at which they don't care anymore yeah so like having a story that's completely abstract and then instead of having a story that's completely abstract where there's you have more of a guided focus with the story so you have them think a certain way but then give them a little bit more room to have their own interpretation but in the range of guidelines where you want them to think yeah exactly so like for example those pulp covers we were talking about it's like you know you get the vibe not to sound like you know to 21st century here you get the vibe when you look at it and you're inspired to think more about it like that's the point it's not so like it's not so confusing that you're lost as to as to what might happen here right like a picasso painting where it's like hey this gives up feelings and vibes but the actual story there's room for interpretation yeah exactly exactly all right right, well so so moving on then let's tell us what to expect for nut two obviously don't tell Um, us what the story is because we have to read and buy the book but tell us a little bit about what to expect yeah well nut two is a little bit of a course correct um it's like i was sort of explaining a little bit earlier like it recontextualizes the series and it is much better at sort of like having room for interpretation but also like being a little bit more friendly Mm -hmm. towards the reader and it it is this one is one single story 36 pages it's one story and it explains what had happened it has its own thing and then it explains where we're going so I think it's much more of a satisfying read this time around. I am looking forward to it. I'm going to be try one yeah. of the first people to buy it. Um, Amazing. So I'm going to try to. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> It'll um, be in your if, box. <laughs> I'll be there right away at 10 o'clock on a Wednesday. There you go. All right. So what is uh? What, so you talked a little bit about the plans for Nut in the Future. So you do the first three. You already have one issue. Then the first, mm-hmm. the next two are going to be more independent stories, and then you're going to do a longer series. Are you going to start over with like a nut the series, or are you going to go with nut four? What's kind of your plan? Um, yeah, so there's a, there's a handful of different ways I could go, and I I think so. The first three issues are what's called birth of the nutverse, and okay. they act as the prequel for the series. So if the series takes place within the nutverse, then they're going to be like you know, much less rooted in reality, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And I, I've always been interested in particularly serialized comics that are their own thing. Like, they add to an overall story, but you can read it without being lost. And I think that that's yeah. something that, like, mainstream comics in this day and age really kind of suffer from. Mm-hmm. So I think what I could do is is I could just do you know smaller sort of single stories or i might be interested in doing sort of like 100 page large comics or small graphic novels ideally i'd like to get published like by something like fantagraphics that does really good work um and it's more about like the cartoonists and what they're trying to say with their work rather than fitting into any sort of like overall publishing theme or trying to make sort of like 
like a lot of the comics coming out now, I feel like are pitches to be movies like it's less about yeah. the comic and more about mm-hmm. like how can this be a franchise you know that makes sense yeah cool cool, cool. Uh, what are some yeah. other projects you're working on so you have Nut what else are you working mm-hmm. on uh, <laughs> not not a whole lot. I mean, the the point of the the nutverse is to sort of fit everything that I'm working into into like one single universe that sort of all can exist and play together and add mm-hmm. add to each other. Um, so I do work for it's this magazine in Canada called Spread Love Magazine, which is sort of like one of the only venues for underground cartoonists right now, and it's an anthology magazine where all these different people will contribute a handful of pages and then this guy in Canada will just collect them into a book and distribute them himself. Um, nice. So I've been doing a handful of those, but even those fit into the Nutverse. Nice. Um, yeah, nice. but in terms of like, like non-comic related work, I just like to sort of just like draw different surreal kind of things or like I was talking about that yearbook drawing out of that yearbook which is really kind of you know it's like I don't have to think about it it's just fun yeah. there's a lot of thinking that comes with cartooning whereas this is like just draw the thing like, don't you're just worry drawing about what's it. on your mind yeah you know, exactly. agency where it goes what you're doing with it just drawing the yeah. draw I think it's important to have fun with it I mean, that's the whole point alright All right, let's get into you a little bit how do you get into drawing sure. Where did your um, love for drawing come from? Yeah, well, I have a weird relationship with drawing. I feel like I was always into art. Um, mm-hmm. Like, even at a young age, like, really young age, I was making things out of cardboard or, like, making things out of clay, and I, I liked to do my own thing. And um, Like, I think in kindergarten, I garnered some attention because I would make these. I didn't, like, I didn't know what comics were at the time, but I was mm-hmm. making these, like, picture books that were sort of like these flip books that I'd staple together with words and pictures, which was essentially a comic book. Um, but, you know, at one point or another, I sort of gave it up because it's like, you know, somebody in the class can draw better than you. Oh, well, I can't compete with that guy. I'm not the artist. Like, yeah. I'll figure something else out to do. Um, and it was like that for quite a long time until I saw this, um, I saw this uh, Todd McFarlane documentary. He's the guy who made Spawn and is famous mm-hmm. for working on Spider-Man. Started um, Image Comics, right? Yeah, yeah, one of the guys that started Image Comics. And uh, um, he had talked about how, you know, like me, he was a fan, and like me, he worked at a comic book store, and he just really liked the stuff, and he just, you know, worked at drawing for years and years, and then started doing his own stuff. And I'm like, oh, it's not like something you're born with. It's like elbow grease. Like, I can, mm-hmm. I can do that, and it would... You know, might be a little bit ignorant, but I didn't have too much else going for me, so I really kind of <laughs> latched on to this thing and just, like, you know, I would buy these, like, anatomy drawing books and just, like, draw constantly. And, you know, I, was, I started with stick figures, and that wasn't that long ago. I was only 18, and that was really only four or five years ago for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just would draw, like, eight hours a day for a long time until I learned how to do it and as I you know went to art school and started doing my own stuff I really started to appreciate like, underground comics and alternative and experimental comics and moved away a little bit from the superhero stuff and more into like um, fine art kind of nice. venues yeah yeah that's a really cool story thank you um, so 
what are some of the favorite or your favorite things to work on? I know you talked about it a little bit. You have the nut first going on for you. Mm-hmm. Like if you had, like, let's say, you had to pick one thing to work on, and it had to be one thing to work on for the rest of your life. What would you work on? Oh man, I mean that's hard. It's like I feel like, and I, I'm certainly a person that suffers from, like, wanting what they can't have because I live yeah. in this like idyllic like I've. I've never been this happy. Like, I, there's nothing I have to complain about, really. But now that I'm not working at the comic book store, I'm like, man, like, <laughs> I want that. Like, that was so much fun and, like, doing mindless labor. Like, wow, give me some of that. To the point at which, when I visited St. Cloud um, a couple weeks ago, I ended up working, like, unannounced for five hours or something like that. <laughs> And I was so excited. (laughs) (laughs) I was so excited. I had a dream about it the night before that I was back working. So I think, um, you know, anything, like if you have too much of it, can be a little bit toxic to you. So I like to have, like, a lot of different things I'm working on, like my business, for example, or, you know, different things that take place within the nutverse but are different in their own right. But I guess if to answer your question, if I was to do... Like you mean like one type of art or like one project? Yeah, one type of one type of art. Don't please don't tell me uh, mindless labor at the comic book store. <laughs> you know, I just want to lift boxes, man. Like, come <laughs> no, uh, hmm. Yeah, I, it's got to be comics for me. It really does, because it. I mean, it is one thing, but there's so much freedom. It's like mm-hmm. you know, there's the story you're trying to tell, and there's how you're going to communicate it, and you know, I when I was younger and getting into it I suffered from the well like people who draw in a cartoony style whatever that means only do it because they can't draw things realistic and it would be better if it was realistic but that's just not true like at all like comics are the way they are because that's the best way to communicate it and there's a lot of different like there's a lot of different freedom within that like you, you pick up something from like Todd McFarlane, it looks way different, but that is, you know that's a superhero comic, and that's a yep. really good superhero comic. But you pick up something from, say, Chris Ware or Gary Panter, and it's like, you know, that would never be Spider-Man, but that's the best version of what those guys are doing, and you could never mm-hmm. imagine it any way different, right? And I just love that about it. I always like uh, picking up different artists when they switch up like the different artists between for superheroes, and just mm-hmm. seeing how much different it is. Yeah. Uh, the biggest example, because like Batman is drawn a certain way, but then you have when Jeff Lemire and uh, Dustin, I can't think of his name, Nugent. Oh yeah, he uh, he was the guy that worked on Sender, right? Yep. And then he they did uh, Batman and Robin, and then he has a very like watercolor color like mm-hmm. style to his drawings, and just seeing his version of Batman and Robin, which is very similar to his Sender to Sender. It's just, it was a really cool to see. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think one thing people don't realize with comics or people who aren't familiar with the medium is it's like, you know, it's the pictures aren't there because, like, I'm trying to format what I'm saying. Some people are under the assumption that the pictures are there to assist the words mm-hmm. or to always, like, explain what the words are already saying. So, like, you read the words and they say the same thing as when you're reading the picture. But that's not always the case. It's like there are two different narratives happening. Yep. The pictures and the words. And those narratives can be parallel, but they can also be intersecting. They can be completely different. 
and it's about how the reader absorbs those two different narratives and draws relations between them yeah. and comes to a new conclusion right and comics are one of the only things that does that it gives you two different sources of information it could be saying the same different thing or it can give you different points of information that lead to the same conclusion but you have to get both the picture and the words to get there you can just do one or the other yeah exactly i think one of the best examples of that in terms of like superhero comics is probably um arkham asylum by graham morrison and dave mckean i don't know if you ever ended up reading that i don't think i have i remember you mentioning it but i haven't read it yeah you definitely need to because it's like the the two different narratives would sort of coincide so beautifully where it was like the words were one completely different thing from the pictures Mm -hmm. but they came together in ways where you knew what was happening but they came apart in ways that you had sort of like two eyes in different rooms right and you like like you got three stories in one where it was like this is what the words were saying this is what the pictures were saying and then this is what they meant together if that makes sense no, that makes sense. It reminds me of uh, Tom King. Tom King does that a lot, where he'll have yeah, he's a good like, one too. He'll have like a narrative going on in like a, a little box format, where somebody's like telling a story, but it's not what's being represented on the page. And then mm-hmm. the page doesn't really have is either limited in, in its words or it's telling a visual story. And you have two stories that are very parallel to each other. They thematically fit, but they're two different stories completely. Yeah, and exactly. Tom King, I, I love him for that exact reason. So, alright, my next couple of questions. Let's, let's just talk comics now. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I love I always, to do that. I love, uh, I love hearing your uh, take on like, what artists are great. So my next question is, what, what, what famous artists should my listeners look for? Either if it's current, then maybe not famous artists, but artists that you enjoy now and artists that, you know, in the past... What, what, who should they look out for on the name of the covers? Yeah, well, man, I'm always a little spastic when it comes to, like, things I'm looking for. I'm like, this looks cool, I need to read this, and I need to read this. And, like, it uh, doesn't always make a whole lot of sense. But I've been really enjoying um, Alex Graham. She's a painter and cartoonist from Seattle working yeah. in uh, with Fantagraphics for more alternative-type work. And yes. um, she just came out with a graphic novel collection of her digital webcomic called Dog Biscuits um, which is really really interesting it actually was on the LA Times top 100 of the year and um, it's sort of like about this um, group of people who are trying to survive during COVID in Seattle and sort of work against police brutality just living their lives and it sounds like sort of like well I lived that I don't want to interact with it but it just tells it in such an interesting way and the characters are just so interesting i just brought up the cover looks fascinating a dog yeah i really like the cover yeah exactly yeah and like the main characters are like these sort of like anamorphic characters Mm -hmm. but that has nothing to do like with the story whatsoever it's more just a vehicle of like telling who's who and most everybody else in the story is regular people, except for, like, these five, like, random dudes. Nice. Yeah. Who else? Who else Who else is a good artist for people to look at? Maybe more, like, mainstream. So a lot of the, in a lot of the audience, I feel like, if they go to the comic book store, they're thinking superheroes, the Marvel, DC, sure. maybe Image. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think 
and even this isn't really mainstream, but I think my favorite mainstream thing is probably, you know, I mentioned it with the TV show, but Doom Patrol, like, they're, they're actually going to start up a new series, um, and I think in a couple months, and, uh, like, if you ever read, like, the Grant Morrison Doom Patrol series from the late, middle, or late 80s, like, that's just amazing, and it was, you know, it was, what he was doing was he was trying to take a fine art mentality and put it into comic books, Mm -hmm. um, like, in mainstream comic books, so, like, Dadaism, for example, is an art movement, and he was trying to insert that, or, like, surrealism, for example, so those are really fascinating, um, or even, like, the the Silver Age Doom Patrol, it's a similar thing, where it's, like, I was talking about these pulp covers, they would just have these characters that would be, like, stuff you would never see otherwise, like, interacting with these sort of misfit characters, I mean, it's like X-Men, but not as, I don't want to say it's like X-Men, but it's sort of like archetypal superhero characters, but they're yeah. nightmarish. Doom <laughs> Patrol is very good for that. I, oh, yeah. I do, when I get the, when I, either watching the TV show or seeing Doom Patrol in other mediums, I do enjoy Doom Patrol for that reason. It's very... Oh, yeah. How they're, they're like heroes, but they're really not. It's kind of like, you know, the bad part of if you were get, to get powers through traumatic circumstances... But they yeah. also tend to be heroes in their own right. Yeah, well, it's like they're just people. And I think that that was what was so interesting, too, about like the sort of boom of monster and horror movies in America from the 1950s. Like, I've been working through those, and I saw The Shrinking Man. Like, that's an amazing story. It's just this guy, and you feel so bad for him because, mm-hmm. you know, you can relate to him on that level. And, I'm, you know, I'm certainly not against superhero narratives whatsoever. Like, Superman's one of my favorite characters. But I think with, like, there's just so many of them. With a lot of them, it doesn't make sense that they're fighting crime. Like, why are you, like, you are this way, and why do you choose to do this? Yeah. Superheroes don't really work in, like, when you think about, like, modern world, it's like a superhero wouldn't make sense because there's not a whole lot of crime to fight. And if it is, it's very small scale. There's not, like, super villains like, coming around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, man, I don't know. I feel like Doom Patrol is sort of, like, the Ren and Stimpy of, like, <laughs> mainstream. And I like what that, I mean yeah. by that is, is it's, like, it's just, like, nightmarish and sort of parades around as something that it's really not. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So, I, I have a few artists that I enjoy. Fiona Staples for Saga. For oh, yeah. She's wonderful. Yep. I, uh, I really need to read Saga. You never should, I think it. you enjoy it. Uh, that's one of the books I definitely recommend for most people. Uh, the way I've had it described before I started it is Star Wars and Game of Thrones meets together. Basically, in terms of you have all these wonderful well-drawn, well-written characters, and, yeah, they die. <laughs> Life there moves on. It's very Walking Dead in the point where, like, you have these great group of characters, you have this dangerous world where you lose these characters, but, like, you gain characters as you lose characters, and you just have this circle of wonderful characters that you grow in love, and then you're devastated when they're taken away. Yeah. Well, those are always... I don't know, it's cool when a story has, like, the balls to do that. Yeah. I think it can be really interesting. And then you make them into TV shows and it becomes a gimmick. Who's going to die this week? <laughs> yeah, that's a shot That certainly down. happens. 
Goddamn Walking Dead season six finale, I believe. Is that who's gonna die? Oh no, it's over. They, they ended it. Season oh, eleven, okay. they finally ended it. They they caught up to the comic book, and I, I didn't watch it. I tried rewatching it. I couldn't do it. Yeah, oh. couldn't do it. All right, man. A couple. I have two more questions for you. Then we can. Yeah. Uh, and what comics do you love now? What's on your full list? You said Doom Patrol. Uh huh. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Doom Patrol. Um, I like in terms of mainstream stuff. I really love Mark Wade's um, World's Finest right now. Like okay. it's just, it sort of I think is bringing back something that's been missing with comics, where it's sort of like a little bit more not necessarily lighthearted. Like there's messed up stuff that happens in it, but it's like yeah. more episodic, and I feel like. I don't know, like, it just makes more sense. Like, it's not, they're not writing for a trade paperback. They're writing for the single issue. And they're doing things that I feel like hasn't really been done before. I think, I don't know if they're continuing with World's Finest, but they're going to be doing Shazam together sometime in the summer, I think. Okay, I might have to pick that up. I've been enjoying Shazam lately. Just watched a new movie. It's kind of meh, but... Yeah, I love the character. The movies are kind of meh, but if you want to see like good, um, if you want to see good Shazam TV, you just watch that like twenty minutes DC DC Showcase special that they did like in two thousand ten. That's the best Shazam has ever been on TV. I also like uh, Shazam and Young Justice season one too. Oh yeah, that was amazing too. And that whole thing with uh, Batman talking when they when they were debating whether or not he should stay in the Justice League. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. It's just an amazing show. Oh, um, Dan Mora is the guy that, that illustrates World Finest, and that is going to Shazam with um, Mark Waid. And he's really good, too. Mark Waid's pretty good. I've, I'm not hit and miss on Mark Waid. He doesn't excite me as a writer, but I'm also not like, if Mark Waid takes over, I'm like, oh, oh, God, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to there's certain writers. There's one writer where if uh, he takes over, he's a DC writer. I, it's a Minnesota base. I don't want to hate on him too much. He's a really nice <laughs> dude. I met him. I know who you're talking about, and I agree. <laughs> but his writing is sometimes, it's, it's Minnesota food. It's bland. It's Midwest. It's meat and potatoes. Yeah, there's not a whole lot going on. But I did like Mark Wade's. Uh, I believe his Flash run. Was it his Flash run? There was one run that I read from him that I have as a trade that I absolutely love. I think it might be yeah. Flash. I, I think he worked on Flash, and I think he also worked on Impulse. Um, but uh, I feel like Mark Wade's a person where like, you definitely know when he's enjoying something yep. that he's working on. Like, yeah, like, I think he's been writing comics for a really, really long time. and I, I'm sure he relies on the work he gets. So like something like Captain America that he's written, I feel is really like, oh, well, you probably did this because you needed work. But, like, something like, you know, Kingdom Come, for example, that he worked on, like, wow, he really cared about, like, this This has the work mm-hmm. in it, and this has the emotion in it. And it's, like, the downside of being, like, a long-time writer, you're kind of, especially for, like, Marvel and DC, you're pushed to do stories, you're like, I need the money, it's my livelihood, but it's not something I'm passionate about, it's not a passion project. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, and Chris Ware talked about that. Somebody was interviewing him, asking him how he felt about, like, breaking in and finally being, like, a full-time artist. And he's like, well, it's good and bad because now I rely on it. Like, I can't be as experimental. I can't always work on what I want to work on as much. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I have the benefit of just doing what I want 
all the time, artistically speaking. Yeah. But not everybody does. That's fair. All right, I have one last question. Sure. When the fuck are we going to collab, man? <laughs> well, you know, maybe 2050, one of these years. 20? I got to wait 22 years. Wait, no, 27 you know. years? Dang. <laughs> your book's book solid. Good for you. <laughs> no, one one of these days, I feel bad. I, I swear, I think about that on like a weekly basis at least. Where it's like, <laughs> I hope you don't think that um, much about it. <laughs> no, every time you I, see I, my I, name, you're just like, oh man, I said I'd do a comic <laughs> for him once. No, I know, I feel bad. Well, one of these days, I'll I'll, I'll do that. Um, but I'm just know, pitch you things. People's... I'll just pitch you things weekly, and you just tell me if you like it. I haven't been, I haven't been, I haven't been writing a whole lot. Sure. So I, I, I guess I can't, uh, I can't hound you too much. <laughs> I don't. Know, I feel like, um, I don't know. It's one of those things where I, I don't. I've never really worked on somebody with a comic before, so it's just something that isn't necessarily always my go-to. Yeah. And like, I've definitely never worked from a script before. Like how I do not, I'll do, like layouts on my iPad. Mm-hmm. Like I'll have a synopsis and I'll do layouts, but the dialogue is the thing that I do last completely yeah. so i'm not used to like a dialogue driven thing hmm. but one day it will happen <laughs> well if you want it to happen i i'm here for you i can do it completely new yeah i'll probably i know you've sent me stuff and i'll i'll probably look at that stuff at some point and just send you something out of the blue hey i did these pages based on this thing <laughs> <laughs> that'd be cool i'd be so excited if you were to send me just randomly like hey i actually worked on this i'd be like what what <laughs> I want to see it. Even if you didn't do any more work on it, I would just... I, I like seeing when my art or when my stories finally come into, like, an art form. Yeah, man. Well, you know, now that you've brought it up, though, it has to be even more unexpected. So forget 2050. It's going to be 2060. Got to wait another Dude, 10 I years. I don't even know if I'm going to be alive then. Wait. 20... <laughs> I'll just bury it next to you. <laughs> I'm going to be, like... I'm going to be, like, in the retirement home, and you're just going to, like, hey... Jake, I finally did your comic. I'm like, uh, uh, I could die. <laughs> be like, who the fuck are you? What? <laughs> I don't remember any of this. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else you want to cover before we uh, hit the unrecord button? No, man. This has been great. This has been a lot of fun. It's nice to see yeah. a familiar face, especially since I've moved. I bet from seeing a bunch of familiar faces to being in, you know completely new city oh yeah well even the comic book store it was like such a community to mm-hmm. and, and school to lose those kind of at the same time was a bit of a bit of a shock for me um, all right yeah. yeah all right before we go though um not too when is it coming out let the audience know uh, yeah it's coming out april 5th um on my website row7.squarespace.com as well as at granite city comics and games um, I'm working on getting a line of distribution um, in the Twin Cities, so it might be available later than that date um, in different stores in the Twin Cities, but you can get it April 5th at Granite City Comics and at the Row 7 website. Nice. And what else? We're missing one more big thing. Oh, yes. I will be at Granite City Comics April 8th um, and that's from in 10 to Sigfod, 6. that's in Minnesota. Yes, Sigfod, Minnesota. Sigfod, Minnesota. So, yeah, you can Did find Brandon John... <laughs> April 8th, Granite City Comics signing all nut two issues. 
Heck, and, heck yeah, and, and you know, I'm, I'm more excited to, to vacuum the store than I am to sign copies because <laughs> it needs to be vacuumed. <laughs> Are they going to make you work? The, the, they're going to make you work? Uh, they, you know, they don't have to make me. I have fun. <laughs> they'll, they'll pay me if that's what you're asking. I'll, I'll get I hope, paid. I freaking hope to they get paid for doing <laughs> It's all, right. all good. We're, we're all friends. Well, this was Brandon John. Uh, this is your host, Jake Sherby, and this is Don't Roll Me. Thank you for listening. And yes, go check out and buy Nut 2 as well as Nut 1. Is that still in comics? Is that still in stores? Um, well, you can get a handful of them from me, but I wasn't able to afford to do a second print of number 1. Um, however, I'm working on getting it just for free um, on my Instagram as like a PDF, just so people can read it if they want to. So if you need it from me, you can get it one way or another. All right. Um, but yeah, follow me on Instagram, Brandon of John. I got cool stuff there. <laughs> yes, follow the Instagram pages. Uh, Brandon jo- F. John, right? Of John. Brandon of sort John of like, on Instagram. Yeah. Sort of like the dumb thing where they used to do, like, Carl, son of Thomas. You know, uh, I don't know. It's a dumb joke. doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> All right. Well, this is it. This is Brandon John. This is Donut Wall. This is Jake Sherman. We are out. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you.